welcome to another episode of uh, Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon, your host, and today I have another filmmaker who I'm going to have an interview with. Really excited. And my first female guest, can you believe? Yeah. <laughs> Taking down the White House. Yeah. So this, <laughs> this is very exciting. Um, with Nikisi Serumaga. Correctly pronounced. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm a champ at this. <laughs> So please introduce yourself a bit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nikisi and I'm a filmmaker. I am also female. I do have female bits. <laughs> um, I guess I'm a filmmaker, but it's 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 a very interesting term, I think, because on one level, a lot of people are calling themselves a filmmaker now. Mm-hmm. But for a long period in my life, it was one of those things of like, how can I call myself a filmmaker? I don't oh, really, really have all the... But now I'm just like, own the title and do it and enjoy it. And then that also just allows you to explore the actual medium a bit more when you move through it with like confidence as opposed to a lot of hesitation. Okay. So um, I'm a filmmaker who primarily works with... African content and exploring, I think, a bit more of my own filmmaking style in the last few years okay. in Kampala. So, how did you start out on filmmaking? Where uh, did you go to school for it? Yeah, which was your journey? I did go to school, uh, but my sister, my older sister, she's eleven years older than me. She's also a filmmaker, so it was one of those like take a child to work day kind of thing. <laughs> so I went with her. And I just remember falling in love with the production company and everybody there was also just really, really, really nice to me. And Ooh. then I started, they, they gave me like a very small exercise to do and you start understanding the tools and it was just exciting to be. How old you by then? 17. But I wasn't mm. like directing anything. It's yeah. just like small office exercises and you start understanding what are really the things that make this machine chug along in the way that it does mm. and who are the people. And I remember finding that really, really interesting. And there was like infinite possibility for collaboration and infinite possibility for all these different, making the craziest things come true, quite literally. Mm. And that's always an interesting challenge. So I did that and then I did uni and now I'm here in Kampala. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Which film school did you go to and where? I went to York, not New York University (laughs) in Toronto. It's also really good. Um, And that was a pretty intensive four year program where you're just always making films and always working really? with people. Yeah. Now, one of the major thing that everyone tells me about you, even first thing is, she did something with Toronto Film Festival, which is one of my favorite festivals. So while you were in school in Toronto, is that when you did that? Yeah. Uh, the first year of university, I tried to apply just to be a volunteer at TIFF, and they rejected me. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? You're kidding me. <laughs> to volunteer, I got rejected. So I was feeling obviously not so great. Um, but then when I finished university, that it was around that season that they had a lot of jobs opening up because of course the festival seasonal. So I applied, uh, I managed to get a job, which was really great. And then um, I worked there. It's an interesting situation to see because yeah. it's, it's a really big festival and not yes. just in terms of like oh importance but literally in terms of size it's mm. 400 films you've got 400 staff during the festival there's like literally that festival boosts the economy of the city every single Whoa. year during that time it literally does like it's so it's quite interesting and it's really nice to see where it's like actually if everybody just pays attention for a minute this mm. film industry that everybody's saying is a sinkhole for money can actually really generate yes. income depending mm. on how you look at it and how you place it. It's also a really great space because there's so many films and so many people. I was also super excited about last year's film festival because it had a huge focus on African films. Which and festival? 
TIFF. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you go to TIFF every year. I go for the last three years. I've been, going, been going to the festival. To every year. It's been really great. Oh God, it's so been really, really nice. You should come. I'm telling what? you, it's so much fun. So you were saying you did African films last year. So Toronto had a heavy focus on African films last mm. year, and they specifically focused on Nigerian cinema, which really? I found was so interesting. Yeah. Um, we all watch Nollywood films. We know where they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's really on a completely different caliber and a totally different level. Were they good films? Really good films. Really, really, really good Without films. Without witchcraft? You Without know. witchcraft. I'm telling you, like, real drama films. There was one, I think one of the ones I really enjoyed was called, not even I think, I know one of the ones I really enjoyed was called The Wedding Party. Mm-hmm. And this film is by a lady called Keme Adetiba and a producer called Mo Abuddu. Mo Abuddu is also a very interesting person because she owns Ebony Life TV. So you're seeing all these people kind of combining and coming together to make these films but using like almost like creating the models because Mo's the first person to really or she's a really she's quite a powerhouse in her own right mm-hmm. and Ebony Life TV TV was very big and very groundbreaking in its own ways mm-hmm. and the wedding party was hilarious like really minute for minute you're laughing I yeah. kid you not it was in a cinema of a thousand people roaring with laughter from what? the beginning until the absolute last frame I kid you not it was so much fun it was so much fun and it was high quality well acted well executed everything everything was great it was gorgeous to look at there was no not even no problem you would be you would be actually just rude to say that this film is not good (laughs) actually and there was then other films where maybe technically they weren't they had a much more like indie feel to Mm -hmm. it so that was definitely one called Green White Green by Abati Makama and that was a really great film because it's super like indie young people and drama it's a like drama comedy so they've all finished high school and they're Mm. they've got that gap period between then and university and they're just trying to figure out what to do with their lives they're like let's go make a movie but how do you try and make a movie in Lagos it's really it's really endearing okay now let's get to your movies (laughs) um let's start with Master and Master and the Movie Doctor yeah yeah which uh is about DJs Ugandan DJs so The Master and the Movie Doctor is a film that I made in 2015. It's a 10-minute documentary um, in which we essentially follow two VJs and what VJing means to them and how the VJ industry works. But then you also learn that because VJs copyright a lot, they kind of end up cannibalizing their own industry. And now they're finding that that is the major struggle that they're dealing with. So how do you continue to be a VJ whose job relies on copyright when copyright is now also in turn beginning to harm the industry that you're eating from? Right here, I'm the studio. I'm called VJ Ronnie, the master Aka survivor. Right now, I'm in a studio where we produce most of our movies here in a country, Uganda. So what I do here is I'm going to record a motion picture, my film that I did study before. I'm going to record it just adding my Luganda. We call it a translated movie. Now, I have my, my machines ready, a computer connected to my player, a DVD player, and a mixer also. My left hand here, I have a gadget. We call it a switch. It's where I mute the audio from the picture, the motion picture. So I'm ready to start. Yeah, so what inspired you to do that? When I am 
when I was in film school, it was like, oh, okay, third year time to do something. So my sister was like, you should follow those VJs. And I was like, yeah, I should follow those VJs. I will. Mm-hmm. And when I first did it, it was like with all these pretensions of like, oh, the new orators of the new millennium and blah, 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 and <laughs> passing on stories. And when they ended up chilling with like VJ Rani and VJ Sammy, they're like, nah, like copyright. That's our big issue. That's what we're really talking about. And it became very interesting. And I think like that's what I mean about listening to your environment and to your footage. Because there was a big thing of like, I wasn't going to listen to that. I wasn't going to hear that. But Vijay Rani, Vijay Sami, the cinematographer, like everybody was telling me, Nikisi, you're ignoring this thing that's staring you in the face. But you're dying to get this other thing that's like barely there. There's just like fractions of it in the story. So anyway, um, obviously the, the angle shifted quite a bit, which I'm so happy about. And... Um, I became very fascinated with it because there's a huge movie watching culture in Uganda actually. I really think it's very, very massive. It is. But much like our informal economy, everybody ignores it and barely takes it into account when they're talking of when they're talking about movie watching culture in Uganda. Mm-hmm. But there's over a thousand Bibanda in Kampala mm-hmm. alone. So and you always hear these guys and their microphones in different parts of, you know, the city and whatever. So it became very interesting to me. And uh, we started following them around. We went to this really great um, cinema hall in Kalere called Ashok Cinema. Mm. And they would perform for us and like just give us the background on their stories. And it was pretty much a month of just following them and mm. seeing what, yeah, we were really lucky. A month of following them and seeing what they, what they thought of their work. And then meeting up with engineer Bonnie, mm. who also um, is, you know, trying to protect copyright in Uganda, which just seems like the most difficult thing to do in the world <laughs> uh, yeah it was even funny watching him talk about it like yeah, yeah it's impossible <laughs> Good like, now we have a long ways ahead yeah. from <laughs> and he's one man he doesn't have a team huh? he's one guy it's crazy what? I really hope I'm wrong because that was a few years ago and I hope that his team has grown but at the time yeah. he was one maybe two people Mm-hmm. I like this part where you let them just sit around on a table and just argue it out. It was a nice touch. That was cool. How, was it easy for them to just agree to be in your film, though? Uh, yeah. The really cool thing was that I met Engineer Bonnie first out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he kind of gave me um, a really great in with VJ Sammy and VJ Rani. So those guys are actually friends in real life, mm-hmm. all of them, which mm-hmm. is also hilarious because just for the podcast people. Um, the film is about these VJs, Engineer Bonnie protects copyright. Mm. The VJs, by the nature of their job, are violating every single copyright every law single in law. the book. But these guys are friends, and they announce also every DVD that they VJ, this is VJ Sam. <laughs> so it's like, we all know what's up. Um, uh, the other two, I'm not sure what to call them, because it seemed to be like a series that's continuing. Oh, yeah. So the essayistic, essayistic bitch, bitch rap. Bitch rap. Yeah. As nervous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. So saying that. Um, so what is it? Is it a series? So that was kind of, um, that was an exercise in picking up the camera, at least every once in a while, and mm. actually doing something. So I, you know, you go to your friend's house, you sit, you chill, you have all these really, really great and heated conversations and then, okay, fine, bus, we all go home, we sleep the next day. So I had those two friends in the first one, um, Guerra and Felicity, kind of just sit down with me for an evening with a lot of wine. Also, kind of give people alcohol. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Everything is so much more fun. (laughs) So yeah, I sit down with a lot of wine and I'm just like, what's been happening 
not even like in the news but mm. like what thing is going on in our lives and how is it actually affecting you directly so with the first essayistic bitch rants thing it was about um technology and using that to like kind of get your voice out there and they had some personal stories about how they had and hadn't succeeded with that which was really interesting and also the title came in that first episode from somebody who said that they don't like watching youtube videos <laughs> that are like essayistic bitch rants so we're like let's just go on and own it and enjoy and then the second one was about uh white privilege because in toronto there's just too many heated situations where people are like your privilege and like where everybody's like oh my god what do we do with this thing called privilege i don't understand it do i really have it so we were talking about that and um it was around i could be wrong but it, anyway it was the same year as the black lives matter protests in toronto as well we had our own chapter so we had a really like a lot of protests at that time and it was the same year as that so there was, was a lot of those things okay so my favorite one was actually the first one I think was the most relatable one for okay, me. Okay, nice. Which was plus I really liked it. Good. Yeah, so that was That's my favorite. Good. It's nice to hear that you're fucking shit. Like, <laughs> what? It's nice to hear that your things aren't bad. Oh, they might actually enjoy it. They're not bad. I spent a part that really made me laugh. I even paused and first laughed was when was it where we talks about the hacker hair dryer thing? Yeah. <laughs> just killed like, guys. Like, we're done oh, here. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> Did you see my post recently about the hair dryer hack thing? Oh yes. I posted yes. it and I was oh. like, what? It was like one of the sponsored posts on my on my, oh, my feed. No. And I was like, I retweeted and I was like, what is this? Like how dare like so essentially what it said was, um, we're trying to get women into STEM, which is like science, technology, engineering, media and uh, math, and like get them to get into technology and engineering by like speaking a language they understand. Oh totally. Give them a hair dryer. I'm like, check. Yeah. <laughs> Off the liberal agenda. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. And you guys even talked about Trump. So this is recent, right? No, it was ten months ago. Oh, the election goes on for like ten months. That's true. That's true. Actually, yeah, you're very right. Ten months ago, then you did. Are you going to do more though? I would like to, but and actually, I wonder what you think as well. Mm. I wonder if that format can translate to Kampala. Where were you? That's even actually a question really? that we, we, were, we were in Toronto and it was like winter times. I would say the second one would obviously not be in Africa. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. But the first one I was unsure oh, where really? you were. Oh, genuinely. That's, so good. that's really good. Yeah, okay. Genuinely. Good. I was like, hmm, because it could be one of your homes. And yeah. It's not like just there were two people one black one white yeah. you can't know you can't know that's true yeah. you didn't really see the outside so much I, but mm-hmm. i thought i thought it might be um i really have to get over some of my hang-ups my own personal hang-ups but one of the things that uh, made me a bit nervous to do it in kampala is that some of the realities that we live with some of the things that are bad are so present and so much closer mm. that watching people sit in the room intellectualizing <laughs> loses <laughs> so much significance it's like but to get here you literally drove by somebody who lives on the street and will probably die on the street um why are we sitting here talking about things just like for the sake of opening our mouths at the same time dialogue is really important and if anything in the last one to two years we've been seeing that dialogue across borders dialogue through technology has actually been things that shift people's perceptions and therefore also their actions quite Mm -hmm. Drastically, I think maybe I would. I would. Where is also in Kampala now, which is great. So it would be super cool if she could like tie it in. And I have also a new topic that I want to do for um, essayistic bitch rants. But I was just wondering how well 
how well they would sit with me. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I, but I told you I have hangups. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I really liked it. Though I need to ask, why do you play the music over the... Um, just so it's not like, ah, to be honest, there's no real reason. It's just mm. a stylistic thing. So it's not just like, you know, talking, 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 talking. You don't want the silence there? Not always, no. I don't think so. Because it's also supposed to be like, in real life, when you're just at a party, hanging out, and somebody's playing music in the background, and mm-hmm. you've got some drinks, and like, just a mood thing, that's it, really. <laughs> yeah. But that one, I'm shocked you wouldn't go in front of a camera for it. Cause that's hilarious. I don't know. Just for dialogue? But it's actually a really interesting exercise to watch people having a conversation that you really want to join I in. Do, I can't understand I, how you withstood like, that. I, so I just want to scream and be like, yes, I agree or I disagree. I want to jump in so badly. But again, it was also an exercise in one, picking up the camera every so often, mm-hmm. but also an exercise in truly listening and listening to the point where it's like you don't always have to be front and center take an evening just to listen to other people you will always know your thoughts you don't have to spray them all over anybody else and to top it up on a very practical level i am going to have final say because i'm going to be the person cutting the film in the end yep anyway so Mm -hmm. what do i need to go and spread my views (laughs) during the thing then after shut up and like listen for a little bit (laughs) I hear you. I think with the podcast, almost what I cut out is usually myself. <laughs> really? You need to cut, just look for where I'm saying something. <laughs> cut, cut, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> just because I, I don't like cutting people's stuff out. Okay. Um. Also, another thing about the essayistic bitch thing, I like the ending. You were, you were putting some sort of zingers, like, sponsored by wine. I know. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun. nice touch. Oh, thank you kindly. Also, there's a particular font you like. Like, you used yes. to... <laughs> I love that font. It's everybody. It's called lemon milk. Use lemon milk now. It's so good. I saw it in the master, the the master, master and the movie. Yep, master oh, and the, the movie doctor. That super long title. Me. Yeah, all of them too long titles. Ma- need to get over myself. Master and the movie doctor. And also, it's in yes, it's it's a, and it's oh going to be in the next one too. <laughs> Trust. It's already there, like in the in the titles and in the little like subtitles. Okay. Um. Would you agree that the film industry is male dominant? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Not I think so. Yes, it is. Statistically, <laughs> it is male dominated. Yes. <laughs> it is too many. Too Has it affected you in any way? I have been lucky and that even in the times when it has affected me mm-hmm. it's never been incredibly damaging and it's never been incredibly detrimental to me it can be it can halt me it can slow me down but i think one of the other things that i've been really fortunate to be able to do is to align myself with mentors and people who are interested in looking after young people and people who are interested in looking after young black african women okay. and it's not even a thing of like ooh, network the shit out of this room and then see what you can do after that but it's like if you see somebody taking an interest in you and you have the potential to create a genuine relationship from that scenario that's really nice because it means that in the little ways they'll always be looking out for you and then when they do kind of pass you a bone you're able to realize that to its fullest potential Um, so I've been able to do that and that's been really lucky and I think also the idea of creating a lot of your own projects means that you get to determine all those things is my site going to be heavily female or male dominated I'm the one uh, you know running this set I'm not following other people's orders I've definitely been in situations where I am working with other filmmakers and like there is a weird even like with classmates at school it's like Mm. 
just guys being dicks because they're confident that you have no idea what you're doing. And it's that like, that's a really cute idea, but fuck you. Watch me go make a documentary, raise all the money that I want and fucking kick everyone's ass with it. Please don't put that in. I, oh my God. That is so ridiculously arrogant. But actually, maybe it's necessary. Yeah, actually, genuinely, it maybe it's necessary. Because then there was one point when they would do those things and then you slowly start to believe it. Because after... Yes. You do. Because if you hear something so many times, yeah. then you kind of... It, it, it wears on you a little bit, at the very least, a mm. little bit. And I can sincerely tell you that after third year, where I had like the biggest head in the world and mm. was so stubborn about all my filmmaking, mm. I decided to take, and I'd be so curious to like, hear what other people have to say about their experiences as well, if they've ever tried to do something similar. But I was super big headed, so I was like, okay, let me just relax a little bit and listen to people mm -hmm. a lot. But this time the listening backfired because all it meant was that I was constantly taking in other people's opinions, constantly second guessing everything that I was doing rather than trusting my gut first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then that means that when somebody says something negative about you, when somebody moves through the room and you know that they're not confident in your ability to do the things that you know you can do, mm -hmm. you begin to believe them. And when you begin to believe them, it begins to become true. And it becomes this thing that's still now I'm still trying to find the ways to get out of it because it's not just that person it's this person it's this person it's the other person but as we were talking about before the podcast mm -hmm. looking at all those people who just get up and do what it is that they want to do is yeah, really liberating and you, the you know ones who are getting things done yeah and really getting things done so I think um, it's really it's important to align yourself with mentors who would be able to like even just advise you in ways that you would never be able to see or you know even think about asking i think it's also really important to align yourself with people who are who have similar who have similar interests goals ambitions uh, that's not to surround yourself by yes sayers i think it's a totally different thing mm -hmm. but i think to uh to, to try and build a, a strong team around you i think is also really interesting that you're also supporting in their projects and that they're supporting you so hard not life really um, I want to know your influences who are your favorites like your favorite films your favorite directors yeah let me just name off a bunch of white men literally because <laughs> <laughs> that's what's about to happen yeah that literally is horrible nice. um I really cheesy as it is I really did enjoy Alfred Hitchcock when I was growing up my <laughs> mom and no I used to, it's so cheesy because but I loved obvious it pick. so obvious and then again the dynamic comes back into play so I loved him so much one of my good friends bought me a book that uh, Truffaut and Hitchcock did these amazing series of interviews uh. over a series of years about every single one of his films really and then when I was reading the interviews didn't he call black people niggers I was like <laughs> oh my gosh Time to find someone new. But isn't he known to have been a dick? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. But I was like, I mean, thanks for hating all my people. But <laughs> what's your favorite of his, though? Strangers on a Train. Really? Yeah, I've that's really brilliant. That. And I've heard such good word about it. It's a really I've got brilliant to see movie. That, right that movie is my favorite because um, in one sequence without any dialogue, uh, they say so much about three central characters in the movie. Then I really like uh, Zhang Yimou for Curse of the Golden Flower. And Curse of the Golden Flower is about the, a dynasty. It's been a few years since I watched this film, but like a dynasty and an empire in China hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And that film taught me a lot about precision um, in terms of like, yeah, the way it was framed, the colors they used, all that kind of stuff, but even down to the way the actors are interacting with things. For example, the queen, in real life in this dynasty would wear like 40 layers of material 
and the actress also did and huh? it's like you had the option in film to totally just lie about that but they chose not to because they were trying to go as exact as they could and I think that when you're approaching your work with that level of precision even in the moments when it seems wasted I think it does overall build a much more fuller picture okay. and fuller environment Lost in Translation is a beautiful what? film. Uh, you don't like it? I love it. But I watched the trailer last night. I love watching trailers. I watched the trailer last night. And I wonder if it's even now outdated because it's just about like, you know, two Amer white yeah. Americans in Tokyo using Tokyo as their playground. And it's like, if it was released today, would we really be on it? We would roll our eyes like, yeah. what? So what, what are they saying? Like, what are you doing? America. But I still really love that film because I think um, it explored a really tender friendship um, in such a believable way. Um, I think it kind of played with what romance can and can't be. It's also inspired by In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai, which I eventually okay. watched. And In the Mood for Love is ridiculous. Like This has got to be the most passionate, the most sexy, the most intimate film I've ever watched without ever seeing the two lovers kiss. If you're like, I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. Like you have to watch that movie, especially if you love Lost in Translation. Um, I'm definitely always inspired by the Ness Collective and Jim Choo Choo. Um, also, um, oh, I've just forgotten his name. But anyway, he directed this really great film called Kati Kati recently, which was really great. Who he's is that? Jim Choo Choo. Jim Choo Choo used to be part of just a band, and now he's part of a group called the Ness Collective. They made those film stories of our lives and also the web series Tukomacho. And then these are Kenyans. These are Kenyans, okay. and those films did very, very well. They're very, very good because they're so current, and because they're still making work now. I really enjoy being inspired by them. Um, I'm trying my bestest not to just like carbon copy them <laughs> as well. Yeah, because I do. I would like to work with them and add something to the mixture, yeah. rather than just like copy and paste. I do really like um, films that are more based on emotion rather than anything else. I think the trick that I'm trying to figure out in my own filmmaking is how do you make emotion tangible? How do you make it palpable? That's actually a really hard line to cross without big action and like somebody dying and you know those kinds of things. But it can be done. Okay, cool. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, Nikisi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sharon. If you have any feedback, email Sharon at cinemaredpill.com. Thank you, Nikisi. Woo woo! Cinema Red Pill for the win.